Hey NBA fans, Like a Dragon 7 here coming at you again with another playoff podcast and today I'll be previewing the both conference finals in the NBA and in about an hour the number 1 seeded Warriors are facing off against the number 3 seeded Trailblazers. Meanwhile in the Eastern Conference tomorrow there is going to be again the first seeded this time the Milwaukee Bucks and the third seeded Toronto Raptors. So without further ado, let's start off with the Golden State Warriors versus the Portland Trailblazers. And one of the biggest stories coming out of out of the early part of the series is that Kevin Durant won't be even, even able to play for the first couple of games. And uh, he's ruled out for game one and he's likely to be out for game two as well. And you know what that means? It's going to be some classic 2016 pre-Durant Warriors ball. And we got a really good preview of this in the last quarter of Game 5 in Oracle when the Warriors were playing against the Rockets right after Durant got injured. A lot of uncertainty of how that game was going to shake out. And Curry blew up. And once Game 6 came around, you saw... Clay Thompson, you know, do really well. The Warriors bench come alive once again. And the Warriors' motto of strength and numbers actually made sense for the first time in this, year, in this playoffs. And they'll be facing up against a very formidable front court that includes the likes of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. They, this Trailblazers team have just gone through a slog of a seven-game series against the Denver Nuggets. A seven-game series that included a four-overtime game in Portland. And if their last couple of games were any indicators, you know, this Trailblazers team is going to come in with a fight. They've had C.J. McCollum, you know, dominate in the last couple of games to keep the Blazers season alive as Damian Lillard has somewhat struggled, especially as the playoffs have rolled around. And... It's going to be a really interesting matchup, especially to see how the Blazers are able to respond to the Warriors missing arguably their most dominant player in Durant, and whether or not their basketball from the last game and a quarter of the series against the Rockets will be able to carry over. First of all, let's talk about how the Warriors were able to beat the their semi their semi opponent in the Rockets. And, you know, the first five game, first four and three half quarters of a game really didn't matter because that last quarter of game five, and as I said earlier, the game six, was really an indicator of how this Warriors team, why this Warriors team is the most dangerous we've ever seen. They were already the best team ever assembled, and they couldn't really find a way to put it together in and, and just... You know, five quarters, they were able to show that even without their best player in Durant, even without their quote-unquote starting center in DeMarcus Cousins, they can dominate in with, with uh, three-fifths of that lineup. And having the resurgence of, you know, Sean Livingston, having Kevon Looney being able to dominate in, in rebounding, especially showing out in that game six, this is going to be a really fun Warriors team to watch now that they're not really just go playing give the ball to Durant and hope for the best uh, team and you know 
now I'll be talking about how the Tr- Portland Trailblazers were able to overcome a Denver Nuggets team that seemed to be up and coming after ousting the Greg Popovich-led Spurs in the first round. And it was a slog of a series. Um, you know, a couple, you know, jabs thrown in the first couple of games, the four-overtime game followed by a dud by the Blazers, and then the Blazers responded with by, you know, having CJ McCollum. You know, it was tougher. It was a tough series for Damian Lillard, especially down the stretch against the Nuggets. You know, he... You know, uh, after a very dominating first round series against the Thunder, he only had, you know, he he struggled mightily, only shooting 29% from the three against the Nuggets, while CJ McCollum was able to make up with that with 38% shooting from deep. They're going to need Damian Loder to step up if they're going to take a couple games away from a Warriors team that feels like they can practically just. You know, stride into the finals uh, for a matchup against the Toronto Raptors and the or the Milwaukee Bucks. And you know the I'm gonna you know name an X factor for uh, on each of the teams I think is gonna play a very important role in uh, in determining who wins the series or not. And for the Warriors, I'm gonna have to say you know Steph Curry. The reason the the rock the Warriors seemed vulnerable against the Rockets were because, and, and especially in Game Seven Four, is because Curry really never showed up. And Game Five, you know, it looked like people were ready to call Curry the most overrated player of all time, and he responded with a huge fourth quarter in actually both Games Five and Six. And if he's able to carry any remnant of that going into this Blazers series, that's going to be huge. And for the Portland Trailblazers, you know, it's going to have to be Damian Lillard. Is he going to be able to respond positively after, you know, a pretty bad showing in seven games against the Nuggets? You know, he had some moments here and there, but especially down the stretch, he did not look like the best player on the Trailblazers. And the most important matchup, especially in these first couple of games, is to see how the backcourts, you know, match up against each other. It's going to be the Splash Brothers versus the Trailblazers. Backcourt of CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. And, you know, one team is obviously... One team's backcourt is obviously more shooting-oriented oriented in the Warriors' backcourt. And another is more of a mid-range shooting, can-shoot-the-three when necessary team. And a lot better in, you know, shot-creating. And when you take into account both players... In the Blazers having McCollum and Damian Lillard, while you know Curry's a great shot maker in and of himself, Clay Thompson is more of a spot up shooter, as we know. And you know the most important way for this Trailblazers team to find a way to defeat the Warriors is can are they able to keep Ennis Cantor on the floor? Ennis Cantor, you know, found a way to dominate uh, the Thunder even with. Steven Adams, who I believed was a superior player, but in that matchup, Ennis Cantor just kind of showed out and, you know, has been rebounding his way, even playing through some injuries, even fasting through game round two because of Ramadan. He's been a beast. But the question is, especially with this Warriors team that is very averse to playing big men, you know, are they going to be able to 
make Ennis Cantor look like Clint Capella and make him virtually unplayable. And if that happens, is Terry Stotts, who I believe is a really good coach, is he going to be? Is he going to have the wherewithal to, you know, realize that the that his team isn't going to win having a big man on the floor and having to put a small ball five like Zach Collins? And, you know, that's going to be the adjustment that's going to be most interesting. And, of course, when Durant comes back, are the Blazers going to be able to contain him? And, in my opinion, nobody can. You know, maybe a couple players in the East could defensively. But especially in the West right now, you know, with one team remaining trying to stop the Warriors from reaching their fifth straight finals. Alfaro Gaminu, Maurice Harkless, neither of those players really are you know they may be long enough but they're definitely not able to you know be able to keep up with Durant they're good defenders but they're not great defenders and great defenders even great defenders have trouble stopping one of the most unguardable players in league history in Kevin Durant so ultimately with all things considered I think it's going to be you know the Warriors winning the series in five, especially with Kevin Durant coming back. You know, the Trailblazers were doubted, you know, even from round one. Everybody thought that the Thunder were a superior team, but, you know, this time the, the Trailblazers are facing an insurmountable talent deficit, especially once Durant comes back. And now going on to the Eastern Conference Finals tomorrow night. We're going to see the Toronto Raptors playing at Milwaukee facing the Bucks, and this is going to be a fun series to watch as well. This time we're going to see some two of the best forwards in the league going at it in Kawhi Leonard who's had a who's had a resurgence showing that him being him and the Spurs being up 20 in the third quarter against the Warriors was no fluke. This guy can ball. And he's, him and the Raptors are going to face their toughest test in the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, they, they were taken to seven by the 76ers, and now they're going to face an even more talent, talented team, mainly because of the top guy in Milwaukee. You know, the Sixers had a conglomerate of just great talent from their starting lineup in Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. But now you're facing Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's most likely going to be the MVP this year. And he's surrounded by a bunch of shooters that can catch and shoot and get hot anytime in a series. And, you know, the Bucks got taken to five because after a game one where they kind of got cold, weren't really playing to their strengths, and they got their act together and won four straight against a albeit, you know, troubled, but very talented Celtics team. Meanwhile, the Raptors had to go through, you know, some ups and downs, mainly downs, especially early in the series against the Sixers, where Kawhi wasn't getting any help. Kawhi was playing out of his mind in terms of offensively, and the Raptors around him really struggled, especially Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, especially after the calf injury, which he played horrifically in a game that almost could have swung the series had it not been for him bouncing back in a great way late. It's going to be 
they, they were able to pull it out uh, with a bounce that could have ended Brett Brown's career as a 76ers coach. And, you know, no matter how tight it was, the Raptors were able to pull out more stops than the Sixers were being able to force 24 second violations twice in that game seven, even though it was more at the fault of the Sixers and the Raptors. The Raptors still deserve credit for, you know, being able to execute down the stretch. And that's going to be important. You know, the reason the Bucks were able to, you know, pull out against the Celtics so many times was because of that third quarter. The third quarter was so decisive. The first half of almost every game in the Bucks, seri- Bucks Celtics series was close, and the third quarter was a determining factor. And the Bucks usually ended it on a huge run. Most notably, I believe, game three or four. It was a game in Boston where both Giannis and Chris Middleton, two of the best players on that team, uh, on the on that Bucks team had to go off court late in the third because of foul trouble. And they were able to outscore the Celtics by, I believe, 15 points to close out the quarter. Something crazy like that. And they showed that, you know, that team's dangerous. And even adding on to the notion that, you know, players without LeBron, you know, they get better when, they, when they're put in a role that's fit for themselves. We saw that with, that with Rodney Hood, who hit the game-winning three, the, the, you know, the go-ahead three in that Nuggets four-overtime game to help Portland win, and we've seen that with George Hill through these playoffs, especially in that Celtics series, you know, showing out alongside Pat Connaughton in giving the Bucks a decisive advantage over a Celtics team that hasn't found it, hadn't found itself all year, and as I spoke about it earlier, the Raptors had the reverse problem, especially early in the series, not seeing much contribution from Kyle Lowry, who himself said that he needed to step up if they were going to get to the finals. Finals, And the the bench of the Raptors, you know, having players like Fred Van Fleet, who didn't make a basket, didn't make a field goal until I believe game three or four, you know, struggling throughout the series. Uh, having Serge Ibaka come out, who injured, who got a hand injury in game six or seven, they're gonna need a, a huge contribution from them if they want to beat a Bucks bench that you know showed out, showed its potential in a great way, especially with them getting Michael Brogdon uh, late in that series. And you know, the, of course, uh, now I'll go to the X factors for both teams and. For the Raptors, I'm going Kyle Lowry. You know, of course, Kawhi Leonard's the most important player on that team. But this this is a Raptors team that needs to look on at options outside of Kawhi Leonard. And, you know, Pascal Siakam could be another X-Factor too, but I believe that Kyle Lowry, you know, being the starting point guard, being the facilitator, the they need him to start hitting threes. They need him to set the pace for this team. You know, Pascal, no matter how good Pascal Siakam is, they're going to need that third scoring option in him or even have him as a second scoring option if Pascal Siakam's off. And, you know, he's going to be very important in this series. If he if he plays poorly, it's very unlikely that they'll be able to get past the Bucks. And for the Bucks, you know, I, I guess I'm going to have to say Giannis. 
I believe that the Raptors pose a very pose the best threat to stop them in probably the league in having Kawhi Leonard, one of the best defenders we've seen in in I wouldn't say league history, but a really good defender, and I believe is one of the best. You know, he was able to you know guard LeBron James in his prime when he was only a rookie in the 2013-14 finals and you know he's gonna him uh not only Kawhi Leonard but having players like Serge Ibaka Marcus Gasol who's built a lot like Al Horford being able to pack the paint against a guy who admittedly shot it really well I believe almost 42 percent from the field from the three-point line against the Celtics albeit in very small volumes but he's gonna need to step up you know he 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 showed he had a great showing in games two through five but that game one was a pretty big dud for him in which the Celtics were able to get back on defense and you know basically build a wall on fast breaks to prevent him from going in the paint and the Raptors are the probably the best team in the league to be able to do something close to that for him and ultimately if the Raptors are able to hold Giannis to say under 25 points a game they have players like Danny Green who were able to guard Chris Middleton players like you know Marcus Hall or Pascal Siakam to be able to play Brooke Lopez out out on the three-point line unlike you know even though Al Horford's a good defender he tends to sag off and help way too much and that was that was one of the problems with the Celtics they really couldn't find a cohesive defense and with the Raptors they can basically switch everything from two to five having Danny Green at the two position there and my prediction is that the Raptors are going to take this in seven I I think that they are that they have a more talented team you know their bench left something a lot to be desired in that second round series but I believe that Fred Van Fleet, you know, kind of got over that horrific slump he had early. Serge Ibaka is a really good player off the bench for the Raptors. And, you know, they're going to basically adhere to that about seven player eight if Norman Powell gets um, going rotation. And while I believe the Bucks are good, I think that they were facing a Celtics team that kind of was you know, still finding its way in the playoffs. And while their bench was good, I, I doubt they're going to be able to keep their, that kind of production up. They've had some, uh, a couple of pretty easy teams, in my opinion. Not that the Celtics are a bad team, um, but, you know, the Pistons were basically a walk in the park. And, you know, not to say that the Raptors didn't have an easy team in the Magic, but they had the books have been able to go through these playoffs by just overpowering teams with their volume of three point shooting and their the, the great player they have in Giannis. And I think that they're gonna have to be they're gonna be facing the best uh, the best you know wall that Giannis has to go through in Kawhi Leonard in the series. So, in, in recap, uh, I think the Warriors are going to easily take the Western Conference Finals in five, and I believe that the Raptors are going to 
face a tough test, and you know they're playing the best team record-wise in the league. And you know something's just telling me that Kawhi Leonard showed so much in that series against the Sixers that that'll be enough. You know he has players like Pascal Siakam who's able to take that you know number two scoring option. You can get you know Danny Green, you know Marcus Saul, quite up Kyle Lowry you know, in that third scoring position. And you have players off the bench that, you know, can probably go toe-to-toe against the Bucks bench that really went off last series. And, you know, it's going to be it's gonna be a fun series to watch, a fun Western Conference Finals. Uh, fun final conference finals to watch. And it's going to set up a really, really good finals in which we'll likely see the Warriors face off against the toughest opponent they face in the last three in the last three years. Thanks for listening and like a dragon seven out.